Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 257. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Kathleen Duffy. And today, Kathleen, I want to talk about a phrase I hear often used in the dating world. And as I enter my late 20s, it feels increasingly prevalent to talk about romantic and long-term relationships with others. And it's a phrase I so often hear used by loved ones, friends, family, trying to console someone who has been rejected, whether that's a breakup at the end of a relationship or someone simply saying no, either before a first date or after a few. And that phrase is their loss. And per anything that we talk about on this show, I find this really rich and interesting and worthy of discussion because of the meanings inherent in telling someone that it's someone else's loss if they don't date you or spend time with you. And to the audience, I'm approaching this from a romantic perspective, but I recognize this could be used for friends who stop hanging out, or really any relationship that either breaks up or never fully begins. And of course, Kathleen, as we often discuss relationships on this show, I'm really eager to hear what you think and where your mind went when I proposed the topic. In thinking of this phrase, I found that similar to you, I was first struck by the inherent meaning of the phrase, their loss, and how that language immediately brings us into this space where we imagine relationships as some kind of an economic or combative exchange, that there has to be a winner or a loser, that somebody comes out on top. And I don't think this language or attitude towards relationships is anything new. We see this all the time after breakups in the ways that the parties involved attempt to exhibit that they're doing just fine, maybe that they've found another person or are successful, and altogether just fine without that other person. And while I understand that this is a phrase that our friends or family members try to use in an attempt to console us, I think that it brings with it a lot of harm, in particular that it prevents us, or the person being rejected, from doing any real self-reflective work into why this relationship didn't work out. Something that I think stems from the fact that when one person tells us no, it often feels like the world is telling us no, that the world is telling us that we're worthless, when really there are so many other parts to why a relationship goes wrong or doesn't even begin. On the other hand, this is also a phrase that prevents us from being generous with the person who rejected us. We don't allow ourselves to imagine the circumstances they're in or how, in reality, no matter how much it hurts us, It really is in their best interest to exclude us from their lives. I think that last point sums up what brought me into this conversation and wanting to discuss it with you, that it does preclude the painful truth that this person may benefit from or believe that they benefit from excluding us from their lives. I would make no claim that that's easy, but I also see in myself and in some of the media we consume unhealthy desires to persist, to remain in a person's life as some brand of social courage. And of course, breakups, being let go, grief, loss, exclusion, these aren't comfortable things. They're not easy things, but I would strongly contend that they are necessary things. I think at this point, so many of us fear loss of people that we have bloated Rolodexes or for the younger generation, friends lists on Facebook or other applications that are hundreds of people long, many of whom we probably don't stay in touch with. And I reference social media because I imagine that if you asked any given person, is there anyone you could remove from your friends list? 
I think in theory, we would all say, yeah, there are people that I don't actually think I've ever talked to or whose profiles I've ever even looked at. But if you asked them to unfriend or remove that person, I think many of us would hesitate. The idea of loss, at least speaking from my own perspective, is in and of itself really uncomfortable. And I think we would all admit that. And yet, to your point, friends and others try to console us by projecting the loss onto others. And what I find particularly unhealthy about it, though there are many layers, touches on a point you made, that it prevents us from doing self-reflective work. According to my friends, I couldn't possibly be at fault because it's this person's loss that I'm not in their life. They should want me in their life. And I agree with that premise. You should be with people romantically and otherwise who enjoy or desire your company. But I also think one should be with people who are somewhat emotionally self-sufficient and independent. There's a mixture there. I think codependency is an important distinction that I would discourage. But we do lean on one another in our relationships, and that's healthy and human and natural. But the idea that it's someone else's loss, I think, externalizes all of the possible problems and blame and reminds me of another phrase people often use in breakups, that it's not you, it's me. And what I find so laughable about that example is that I think it's usually a cop-out for there is something I find at fault with you or in our dynamic, something between us is not working. And of course, as with most cultural things that I might criticize, the opposite would invite a conversation and probably a lot of discomfort, maybe even vocabulary that some of us have never practiced because of how rare that is in our society. And lastly, to flip this phrase on its head and give another perspective, people would say, oh, Kathleen, it's their loss that they're no longer dating you. But I don't recall any examples of people saying the opposite, saying at someone's wedding, oh, Kathleen, it's really your gain that this person stayed with you or that their status is plus one because you're with them. And maybe we are secretly thinking that even if we don't express it. I just find it rather intriguing that to your word choice, Kathleen, we do evoke economic or combative language in describing loss, but I really don't think we do the same in terms of gain. And maybe on some subconscious level, we are aware of how silly this is. And I'm also well aware that there are people using the phrase in maybe an insincere or superficial way. I recognize that not everyone thinks about language or engages with it in a meaningful way, but I am of the belief that meaning is conveyed whether you intend it or not, and also if you perpetuate meaning, especially meaning you're unaware of, that's where language can preserve some dark or unhealthy ideas. I appreciate so much about what you just said, and in particular, I think it's important that you'd point out how we don't ever invert that language of loss. As I was reflecting on this topic, I found myself considering how I might react to this phrase. As we've pointed out, this is a phrase used to comfort us. Another element of what I find difficult about it is that it writes off our own loss in the relationship, that we no longer have that opportunity to mourn the person that we had or hoped to have shared in a relationship with. Instead, the idea that this is somehow a phrase of comfort is rooted in a logic that, well, because they're worse off than I am, I should feel great. This approach to loss isn't one of healing. In the same way that it doesn't allow us to do the self-reflective work of considering our own faults or why we might not be compatible with another person, it calls us to feel a kind of self-righteousness or self-importance and ultimately leaves us in a state of anger until we're over it. And in your comments, I also especially appreciated this idea of social courage that you brought up, that persistence in a relationship is something to commend. 
And while I find that that is certainly true in most relationships, there's also much to say about the fact that relationships, be that one of friendship or romance, require a great deal of energy, and that not everyone is able to give it. On the other hand, not everybody necessarily needs it. Something I often think about is the fact that we're not obligated to be friends with everybody. I believe that we should be kind with everybody, but people aren't always entitled to one's friendship. And more to this point, we can't be friends with everybody. We have a carrying capacity. We can only devote so much time and energy to each person before we begin to neglect those people that need it most in our lives. But this phrase, this idea of it's their loss, brings us back to this sense of entitlement, that we deserve their time and love and energy. And while it's true that, yes, those are all things that we need and we are all entitled to, we can't have it from everybody and not everybody is able to give it. I'm particularly drawn to your remark that this isn't language of healing, and I would reply that to me it feels like very vengeful language. To your point about self-righteousness, there's a certain enjoyment or at least peace encouraged in the idea of someone else's distress or discomfort. And I want to clarify that I don't think this encouragement or remark is always said in such bitter or hateful terms. But it also reminds me of something you said earlier, that it prevents us from being generous in considering someone else's life and existence. And the more I hear you talk about it and sit in reflection on the topic, it sounds more and more tribalistic to me, as though we need to make enemies or losers of those with whom we are opposed. And I don't think that's wise, and also on some level attacks your own narrative of self. For some reason, you chose this person or expressed temporary or fleeting interest in them. And to remark that they're losing out or that they're foolish or can't properly appreciate you, all of which may be true, you're also commenting upon someone who was a part of your life for some time. And in that way, I think from a higher rung on the ladder, you're cutting off previous rungs, all of which helped you to get to where you are. I'm not saying that's a comfortable or simple narrative of self, but I am often of the belief that everyone who came before, including the people who hurt you most, helped to shape you in great or small ways. I also don't think that this phrase gets at how circumstantial things can be. There's the idea of someone being the right person but at the wrong time that I think is lost in this phrase that you may be really well-suited for someone who's too busy at this point in their life or doesn't live geographically in a place that would make a relationship convenient or emotionally feasible for either of you. There are so many factors that go into relationships, and the simplicity of this two-word phrase almost seems to mock that complexity. I'd also like to add that, to me, this phrase sounds a lot like the fear of missing out, saying that their loss implies that you're it and that there's a place or a person to be with in order to find happiness. And I'll concede that this philosophy is tempting and feels especially prevalent in our hyper-connected 21st century world, but I also don't agree with it. I'm one of the people who doesn't really think a soulmate exists, and that many people out there in the world of billions could be a really solid fit for you romantically, and also in a world where friendship is undervalued, could be really well-suited to your companionship, and the various strata along the gradients of human social interaction. But of course, Kathleen, I want to make sure our audience never misses out on thoughts and ideas we'd like to leave them with. 
So before we conclude this episode, what would you like the audience to consider or reflect upon after listening to our conversation? I hope that listeners will think a little bit more about the phrases that we use to comfort people and ask ourselves, what work does this really do? Does it actually help the person through the situation and circumstances that they're in in a way that is productive and meaningful and healthy? Or does it feed some of our more tribalistic tendencies? I also hope that listeners will consider the extent of the role to which our egos play in rejection and in breakups, and how the wounds to that ego manifest in the way we talk about others and understand our own situation. The two things I'd like the audience to think about are the fact that their loss is very outward-facing. And I'm really curious to know, for those of you listening who have been through breakups or parallel situations, were you comforted by friends who looked at, saw, and addressed you and what you were experiencing? I'm well aware that a breakup is this peculiar, semi-social but very personal situation that is, of course, rooted in disrupted time with another person. But their loss, in being a rather poor phrase for healing, I feel, continues to reference someone who's not there and may not properly address the wounded party, so to speak. And lastly, as diverse as human relationships are, I think breakups can enter a similar category of complexity and nuance. And I'd really love to hear from folks who have been through really healthy or even positive breakups where both or either party is experienced nuanced, healthy, and compassionate communication. Maybe different language was used, and ever the curious linguist, I'd really love to know what that language was and how it was applied. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we would genuinely love to hear from you. So if you have any comments, opinions, or feedback of any kind, please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And I'm Kathleen Duffy. Go in peace and conversation.